Oh, hi there. Pleased to meet you. My name is Tom Franklin, one half of the Blue Notes podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. We've got that 2019 Stanley Cup power too sweet to be sour. And we're also your home for the best blues analysis. Yes, it's it's a it's a Bruin, but he, he's he's going to help the power play. And and that's what people need to understand. And, you know, they're going to look at it and say, oh, well, Justin Falk was supposed to help the power play as well. Tory Krug is legitimately going to help the power play. It felt like Newport was ready to go into this offseason and use Petrangelo as an example and say, okay, we're going to play chicken here with with uh, with the COVID cap here. Someone is going to give Petrangelo his money. We also have great guests from here at home. St. Louis Post-Dispatch, St. Louis Blues beat writer Jim Thomas, the organist for the St. Louis Blues, Jeremy Boyer, and around the world. Yo, Blues fans, it's Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, all the way from the Netherlands. And no other podcast can say they have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent, but we do. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, and this is my Aloha Commentary. Plus, a little self-deprecating humor thrown in there. One of our new Blue Note Selkie-level COVID mask, if I can turn it the right way there so I can properly sell it. I am, I, you know what, I am failing my prices right model audition right here. This is, this is terrible. He has opted for the uh, neck gator uh, version of this, and I'm still failing my prices right off this fuck it um, <laughs> voted the best podcast by our peers in the hockey podcast network follow tom and wags on facebook twitter and instagram at blue notes pod and be sure to subscribe to blue notes wherever you get your podcasts from this is tom franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle welcome to new york Devil's State, State of Mind, Mind podcast. podcast, brought to brought you by, to the, you hockey by the Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now, here's, now your, here's host, your host, Neil Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devils fans? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind Podcast, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. As always, thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to check this episode out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. As always, as well, we have a ton to talk about that goes that is going on with your New Jersey Devils and also just a bunch of things going on in the world of hockey. Today is no exception. There's so much to get to. So without further ado... Let's drop the puck. So last week, if you remember, towards the end of the episode, I kind of went over some of the moves that general manager Tom Fitzgerald had already made when it came to free agency signings. He's made a couple moves that at that point you'd say, yeah, he's done a solid job. I thought the draft went went pretty well. Uh, You know, maybe took some chances on a player or two, but nonetheless, I thought he did a very good job. Well, interestingly enough, Right when I was done recording and editing the entire episode, I got word that the Devils had made a trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it was announced on Saturday night that the New Jersey Devils had acquired winger Andreas Janssen from the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for forward Joey Anderson. So the Devils are clearly continuing to make moves to try to bolster their roster, not just for the short term, but for the long term. And Janssen is a player that fits the description that Fitzgerald put out there about what type of players he's looking for. Guys that are, you know, as, you know, as young as maybe, you know, 18, 19 years old to as old as about 26 years old and has some amount of control on their contract. And Andreas Janssen has a considerable amount of control on his contract as he actually has three years left on his deal that has an average annual value 
of $3.4 million that he signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think about a year or two ago, he signed that deal. But this was a move that I think a lot of people expected. Maybe not, you know, the, de the Devils acquiring Yonsa, but it was a move that I think if you asked a lot of Maple Leafs fans and Maple Leafs personnel, that probably this was going to be one of the guys that have to be moved. Because let's face it, the Maple Leafs, like a lot of other teams, are in a lot of cap situations, and they had to move around some players in order to, you know, open up some space. They did get Tyson Berry. They did, I believe they still kept Tyson Berry. But I know they also signed Wayne Simmons, the former New Jersey Devil, to a one-year deal. They just signed, actually, on the time of this recording, on the 16th of October, they actually signed Joe Thornton, the former San Jose Shark, to a one-year contract as well. So even though it didn't cost them a whole lot of money, they didn't originally have enough money to sign these guys. But they were able to move Janssen, who took up, you know, three and, almost $3.5 million on their salary cap. And I'm sure it's a move that, you know, other than it being a cap dump for the Maple Leafs, it's a move that I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't obviously want to, want to make. But they pretty much had no choice. And the Devils came knocking and gave the gave Toronto Joey Anderson, who is not costing them too much. It's a guy that's probably going to end up either playing probably on one of your top lines in with, with the Marlies in the AHL. It's certainly a guy that can play on your third or possibly fourth line if you need some more depth there in the NHL. So, and Joey Anderson has some NHL experience and has had a little, you know, a little bit of productivity, not, not a whole lot, but a little bit of productivity. And he's still a very solid player. So, you know, it's not like Toronto's getting totally ripped off, but let's be honest here. When you look at the comparison between Janssen's productivity and Joey Anderson's productivity, I, I think it's fair to say, and you could ask a lot of people within the NHL, that the Devils got the better end of this deal. And when Tom Fitzgerald was discussing why he made this move and what attracted him to Janssen, he said, what really attracted me was his skating ability, his quickness, and his scoring touch. This guy is definitely going to be on the top six, probably on the second line, helping out scoring-wise with Jack Hughes to help elevate his game. So this guy clearly is going to come in and try to make a difference right away. And not only right away, but also to help in the future. Because again, like I mentioned, he has three years left on his deal going into this next season, whenever this season actually starts. So clearly the Devils wanted to get this guy to help them now and to help them as they continue to get better and better and become more and more competitive to eventually becoming that Stanley Cup contender that we're all hoping for in the, new, in the near future. Janssen is 25 years young, so he pretty much fits for the most part in that same age group as everyone else that the Devils are trying to build around. Now, obviously, Miko Hishir and Jack Hughes are younger than Janssen, but Janssen has a good enough amount of NHL experience and enough of a track record to say this guy can immediately come in and be a 25 to maybe possibly 30-goal scorer on a team that is lacking a lot of those players. So this move was to acquire a guy that is going to help out the scoring and also just help in the development of Jack Hughes. Because remember, and I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's the honest truth. Fitzgerald has made it clear when he said that when the Devils take off, Jack Hughes and Nico Hishier are going to be taking off. They're going to be the reason that the Devils are eventually a Stanley Cup contender because those guys elevated their game and took it to another level. That's really what this whole rebuild is about because you have two elite centermen who either one of them could easily be a number one centerman on a team rebuilding, but the Devils are fortunate to have two. And so now Fitzgerald is trying to add pieces to build around those players, particularly when it comes to getting them solid linemates. And this past year for Janssen was what he considered because he spoke with the Devils media a few days ago. He considered this past year to be somewhat of a down year. He, he was bogged down by a few injuries, but he finished with eight goals, 13 assists, and 21 points in 65 games with the Maple Leafs. He also suited up in only one game during the play-in round in which the Maple Leafs were knocked out by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And in his career, which is, you know, not that long, but it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty decent numbers so far for a guy who's only 25 years of age, Janssen has 30 goals, 37 assists, and 67 points so far in his career. So this is a guy that still has the ability to take his game to another level. And when I was listening to Janssen talking with the media, one of the things that he said was he's really looking to elevate his game to not only help himself, but to help the rest of the team around him, no matter where he gets paired. 
He wants to constantly push other guys to play very well and to be very quick. And I think that's something that Fitzgerald also really liked in him, is that this is a fast guy. This is a hardworking young man, a guy that definitely has the opportunity to make an impact right away. And I think that's something that Devils fans, including myself, are very excited to see once we actually get there. And Janssen, going into the 1920 season, had come off arguably so far his best year of his career in 2018-2019 when he finished with 20 goals, 23 assists for 43 points in 73 games. So this guy clearly has the ability to be a, an elite goal scorer on this team. And I think that's something that the Devils, other than maybe someone like Kyle Palmieri and, you know, maybe Jesper Bratt to a lesser extent, the Devils don't really have a lot of guys that have a real nose for the goal, somebody who's constantly thinking about offense. And that's nothing saying that, you know, Janssen can't also be a defensive forward as well. From what I've heard from a lot of, you know, Maple Leafs fans and Maple Leafs personnel is that Janssen also can play very well as a defensive forward. So this guy, you know, he can do anything that the team asks him, asks him to do, which is a very vital thing for the success of a hockey team. Now, Janssen's big accomplishment so far in his career was when he was in the minor leagues with the Toronto Marlies, the AHL affiliate. In 2018, he helped lead the Marlies to the Calder Cup championship while leading the postseason for all players in assists with 14 and points with 24 and was named playoff MVP. Now, he actually has some history with against the New Jersey Devils when he played against the Albany, which is now the Binghamton Devils, in the playoffs. I think it was the conference finals where he had a big scrum, and I think he ended up getting hurt, got a concussion of some sort. I don't quite remember off the top of my head, but he was – he was involved in a big scrum that a lot of Devils fans, you know, brought up a bunch of times. But, you know, that so far has been Janssen's biggest accomplishment. But again, he's only 25 years of age. So this guy still has a lot of hockey left to play and a lot more to prove. I don't personally think, judging by what I've seen and judging by what I look at when I look at his stats, I don't think this guy's reached his peak yet. And remember, this is a seventh round pick. So... This guy clearly has a lot more, you know, of an opportunity to continue to prove himself. And I think that he's coming to a, a team that is younger, maybe not as talented as the Toronto Maple Leaf team that he's leaving, but a place where he can be one of the focal points of the offense. And this is where he could take his game to the next level and really make a name for himself. So I think that's a, a very good thing. Another thing that some people brought up to me about this was, a lot of people were curious to know, was the reason that Yonsa was having success a little bit earlier on in his career in the NHL was due to the fact that he was playing with guys like Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews? I think there is something to consider there, you know, because obviously those two guys are elite players in this game right now, and they're, they're guys that can make anybody better. But I think also you have to, you have to you know, give yourself this reality as well. The guy still has to put the buck in the back of the net. It's not like they, they just, you know, you know, pushed it in for him. He still has to get the pass and shoot it. He's making passes to players, and they have to finish as well. So it's not like that Janssen's just been given all the success on a silver platter and that, you know, it's just been a very easy walk in the park for him. He's, he was playing in one of the toughest, if not the toughest market in the National Hockey League with a fan base that has been begging to not only get back to the Stanley Cup Finals, but win the freaking Stanley Cup. That's a fan base that has been striving for it. And I'm not saying that Janssen fell under the pressure because it doesn't look that way. Janssen even said himself, he said, look, you know, injuries was the thing that was really bogging me down last year. I think if he had been healthy the whole year and we had a full regular season, who knows? He might have been able to get, you know, get his point total going. Um, so that, that was something to keep in mind. But now he's going to a new team where the expectations are a lot lower. It's a rebuilding year. It's trying to build chemistry, trying to create a new culture. And it's a place for him where he could just relax, play the game that he's capable of playing, and have a ton of success. So I'm not saying that I'm going to sit here and put a ton of pressure on Andreas Janssen to be a 25 to 30 goal scorer. I'm just saying that I think he has the ability to do that, ability to be that top left-wing goal-scoring player that the Devils have been lacking for a little while. So I think that's something that we should keep in mind and be positive. Now, talking about Joey Anderson's situation, this was one of those cases, in my opinion, where it just didn't work out. And I think considering, you know, all the factors aside, you look at the fact that, you know, the general manager was fired, 
the head coach was fired. You know, you lost your star player via trade. Um, and also because of the fact over the last couple of years, there wasn't any really definitive, you know, understanding of where the Devils were or where they were going to, that when Joey Anderson got his opportunity, he was just a player that, you know, was a solid player, a third, fourth line type of guy, but he never looked like he was going to be somebody that could really make that next jump. Now, that could also be because maybe the Devils didn't give him as many opportunities, but I would say, and I would argue, that when he did get his opportunities, there were times where, like a lot of other players on this team, kind of just disappeared. Uh, and Joey Anderson, uh, with 52 games with the New Jersey Devils in his career, he finishes with eight goals, five assists, 13 points. That's, that's not great, especially from somebody who was a, you know, a third-round pick, which, again, it's not the first or second round, but still, when you're a third-round pick, you're still going to be considered one of the you know, higher-tier prospects, a guy that the team is really looking at. And he performed admirably and very solidly at times when he was down in the minor leagues. But it just seemed like every time he came up to the big club, he never really seemed to you know, take that next step in his development. But maybe that's just not the type of player that Joey Anderson is. And also, I believe Joey Anderson did say this as well after it was announced that he was traded. That he said, look, I have no ill feelings towards the Devils. I think it was a combination of, you know, maybe I wasn't given as many opportunities. And also, I just didn't take advantage of the opportunities when it was given to me. So for that, you know, this is where it comes to. Uh, and it is unfortunate because I've always been a, a big fan of Joey Anderson. I always thought he was a very, very solid player. And I, and I did have relatively high expectations for him, especially this past year when I felt like he was going to be on the big club to start. And even two years ago when we kind of got rid of a bunch of guys or just let guys walk in free agency, and I thought he was going to be one of those players that was going to be a mainstay on the bottom six. And it just seemed like he could never really get it going. So I wish him nothing but the best in Toronto. I, you know, I always feel bad when, when things like this happen. You know, it was probably more of a case that it just didn't work out. The fit wasn't there. But, you know, sometimes that's just the business of hockey and the business of sports, and you have to go there. But, you know, going back to Andreas Janssen, I think this was another steal by Fitzgerald. He's continuing to make really, really good moves that are helping, you know, and benefiting this team, not only now, but as I've mentioned several times, going into the future. So it's a big move. Very excited to see, you know, Mango come here, which is his nickname, by the way. I'm very excited to see Mango come to New Jersey. And I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see, you know, the type of chemistry he can bring to this team and the type of scoring that he has the ability to do. So the next move that Tom Fitzgerald made for this Devils team was a move that was pretty surprising considering the situation and considering what the Devils have already done this offseason. But they brought back somebody who was on this team not that long ago, actually about three years ago, and somebody that I personally thought was going to end up being the goalie of the future after Corey Schneider, especially when he actually started playing and he played through his first four games and he got a win and he also got a shutout right away. So this was a guy that I had a lot of high hopes for and the Devils decided to move on from him. But nonetheless, they have brought him back three years later. And this past Sunday, October 11th, the Devils announced that they have signed goaltender Scott Wedgwood to a one-year deal worth $700,000. It'd be $700,000 at the NHL and he would get $200,000 if he was playing down in Binghamton at the AHL. So yes, for some of you Devils fans, you probably remember Scott Wedgwood. He has returned to the Garden State, a guy who made it very famous with his putty mask. Uh, the, you know, he really loved rocking the red, green, and white, you know, type of helmet. And I'm really excited. I hope he actually brings it back this year. But for those of you that don't know who Scott Wedgwood is, let me give you a little bit of an understanding. Scott Wedgwood was actually a goalie in the Devils system about three, four years ago. And he was a pretty young guy. He's about 24, 25 at the time. And the Devils were still looking for a solid backup for Corey Schneider because at this point, Marty was, you know, was well, you know, past the point where he had retired. Corey was the main guy. But the Devils were still looking for a solid backup. And they really were kind of choosing between Keith Kincaid and this kid, Scott Wedgwood. And the Devils brought Scott Wedgwood in towards the end of his, I guess you would call it his rookie year because, you know, he was a rookie when he came, when he finally got called up. You know, he had the opportunity. He got a win in his first game. He got a shutout in his second game. 
he was on fire right away when he came to the Devils. I think he only played about four or five games that year. And then in 2017, early on in 2017, he was actually traded to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for a fifth round pick in 2018. And for those of you that would like to know who became that fifth round pick, it actually became E.R. Sharon Govich who is signed right now with the Devils. He signed a contract with them and is on loan to Dynamo Minsk of the KHL, where so far through 14 games, he has scored five goals and two assists. And he had a pretty solid year in the AHL with the Binghamton Devils this past year. So all's well that ends well. The Devils got a very solid you know, prospect that still has the you know, uh, uh, many more opportunities to make the team. And they bring back the goalie that they traded that they traded away to get that pick. So, you know, it kind of all works out. It all comes full circle. And, you know, I, I got to tell you something. I got to really tell you something. I really did think that Scott Wedgwood was going to be the future backup and an eventual successor to, to Corey Schneider. I, I really thought that because through four games, he was doing very well, despite the fact that the offense of the doubles at that time was not really helping the team that much. But he was playing very well. He was very solid in net. And here's a fun fact. This is something that I want you guys to, uh, to check out here. So the story goes with Scott Wedgwood's trade is that he was traded to the Arizona Coyotes while the Coyotes were traveling to New Jersey to play them. So this was where it was funny, where in the morning, Scott Wedgwood was in the Devil's locker room just practicing and everything. And that same day or like middle of the afternoon, he was traded to Arizona and went across to the other locker room to prepare to be, I think he ended up starting that game or certainly was the backup. But here were the four goalies that were involved in that game. Corey Schneider, Keith Kincaid, Louis Deming, and Scott Wedgwood. And funny enough, the only one that remains or, you know, is with the devil still is obviously Scott Wedgwood. So. Yeah, put that in perspective also shows just how difficult it has been the last handful of years until recently um, for the Devils to find a solid number one goaltender or find a really solid goaltender in general. But nonetheless, Scott Wedgwood is back. You know, there isn't much to really talk about, be, you know, per se, because this move was a move made, and Tom Fitzgerald kind of made this obvious too, that most likely Wedgwood's going to play the majority of the year in the AHL with the Binghamton Devils whenever they actually play. But he is going to end up being a guy that is not really like an emergency goaltender, but certainly a guy who has NHL experience that can come in for Mackenzie Blackwood or Corey Crawford. If either one of them are struggling or one of them gets hurt, he is a reliable goaltender that can come in and help this team. This past year for the Syracuse Crunch, which was the Tampa Bay Lightning's AHL affiliate, he posted a 13-8-2 record with a 301 goals against average and a .893 save percentage. Sky Wedgwood has had what you would call a up and down career, in you know, and in, in a, a pretty average career, if you would say for, for goalies. And what's funny enough is that Scott Wedgwood's name is going to be on the Stanley Cup because he actually was the third goalie brought, you know, brought to the bubble by the Tampa Bay Lightning and was was part of that Lightning team that won the cup. So. That's kind of a little bit of interesting, uh, interesting note there. So the Devils have a Stanley Cup champion, or mul now multiple Stanley Cup champion goaltenders on their roster. And I'll say this again. I think this is a solid move. It helps continue to allow the Binghamton Devils to be competitive. You know, him and Gilgis Sen will definitely competing for starting time. Gilgis Sen is another one of those young goaltenders that we're wondering if he's going to end up being the guy that becomes the, the long-term tandem with Mackenzie Blackwood, we still have Schmid, we drafted Nico Dawes, we have Cole Brady, we have a lot of options, but I think Gilgis Sen probably has the closest chance right now to be get, given that opportunity. Gilgis Sen played in one and a half games in his NHL career, so he hasn't had that much of an opportunity, but I wouldn't be surprised if next year he's given more of an opportunity, depending on how everything plays out. But yeah, Scott Wedgwood will most likely play the majority of the year down in Binghamton but you never know he might get another opportunity with the Devils but nonetheless for for a little older Devils fans and Devils fans who have watched this team for the past five ten years you, you kind of have a warm spot for Scott Wedgwood it's kind of a nice setting like oh okay welcome back like you know it's great I'm, I'm excited to see if he brings back the putty mask 
Um, you know, Scott Wedgwood said that he's obviously excited to come back in New Jersey, even if it's on a one-year deal. He's just looking forward to being back in the organization that really gave him his first opportunity. So I'm excited for Wedgwall to come back, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do to help this team continue to develop to get to a uh, Stanley Cup contender in the future. So now we'll move on to the second segment of this week's edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And we are going to be discussing some of the biggest free agent moves that have so far happened in the NHL. So this is not necessarily that much Devils rated. However, there is a player who was a former Devil that signed a free agent deal that we're going to discuss in just a few short minutes. But yeah, this is going to be primarily analyzing Three, three moves in particular, three signings in particular that, I'm, that I was very intrigued by and I want to discuss further with you guys because we're not just talking about the Devils and, you know, all the time. We're also talking about hockey as well. So we got to keep up with everything that's going on in the world around us, the NHL as a whole. And let's just jump right into it with the first free agent signing that really, really caught my eye. And I think a lot of you probably know where I'm going with this one. But if you're not, I'm just going to say it. Former New Jersey Devil and 2018 Hart Trophy winner, which is for league MVP, Taylor Hall has signed with the Buffalo Sabres on a one-year deal. The deal is worth $8 million. Now, Taylor Hall was arguably probably the second most coveted free agent in this market behind Alex Petrangelo. And... Throughout this year, even going back to the beginning of the season when he was still with the Devils, pretty much it was clear that Taylor Hall was not going to to sign an extension or sign a new contract with the Devils until after this past season. So I think from that standpoint was one of the reasons why Ray Shiro, the former general manager of the Devils, was was in so much pressure to try to make moves to please Taylor Hall so that they could be competitive and that he could sign a long-term deal because you knew that there was still the possibility that Taylor Hall could leave. Now, as we all know, things did not go well right from the end of the second period of the first game at home against the Winnipeg Jets. And you knew by the time we got to late November that the season was already awash. You know, John Hines had already been fired. There was a good there was speculation that Ray Shiro was getting close to being fired and he actually ended up getting fired. And Ray Shiro knew that there was a really good chance at that point that Taylor Hall was going to have pretty much no interest at all in signing a long-term deal with the Devils. So he made the choice in mid-December, I believe it was December 15th to be exact. He made the trigger on the trade to send Taylor Hall to the Arizona Coyotes. Now, There was something that Mike Morelli put out on Twitter a few days ago that I wanted to bring up here because I thought it was interesting. He put out a tweet that said, revisiting the Taylor Hall trade, which was actually on the 16th of December, so I was a day off, the Coyotes got Taylor Hall and Blake Spears. Blake Spears is still with the Arizona Coyotes organization. The Devils have acquired defenseman Kevin Ball, Forward Nick Merkley, who right now is a restricted free agent on loan playing overseas, but I believe he was given the qualifying offer. Forward Nate Schnarr, who is another player, and he's still under contract with the Devils. And a 2020 first-round pick, which was the 18th overall pick, which, as you all know at this point, became Dawson Mercer, which was, I think, considered to be one of the steals of the first round. So when you really look at it as a whole, I got to say, I think Ray Shiro did as good of a job as anybody could to get as much value as possible for that player. Remember, that wasn't the trade deadline. And I'm pretty sure that Ray Shiro knew that one of two things. Either he might not be the GM by the time the trade deadline actually comes, or, and it could be a combination of both, but or he could have looked at it and said, I'm not going to get as much of a value as I want for Taylor Hall then as I'm going to get now. Now, there was discussions between you know, the Devils and Colorado, possibly Taylor Hall going to the Avalanche, but that didn't happen. And then obviously it later became Arizona, which I got to tell you guys, if you had told me that Taylor Hall of all teams was going to get traded to the Arizona Coyotes, I would have said that doesn't make any sense. And it didn't even make sense to me when the Devils made it. Not from the Devils standpoint, because I thought what the Devils got, and you certainly look at it now, the Devils got a lot for this player. 
it just didn't make sense. It felt like to me it just didn't make a lot of sense from Arizona's perspective. They got past the qualifying round against against Nashville, but they weren't going to go far in the playoffs. We all, I think we all knew that right from the start. It was all just about where was that pick, that first round pick, where was that going to end up? And it ended up being 18th overall, which I think was a, which was an awesome, an awesome position to be in because again, we got Dawson Mercer. But I just wanted to share that because it was something like, you know, we could just kind of look back on it and everything. But nonetheless, you know, Taylor Hall was traded and that pretty much ended his time in New Jersey. And we all knew that there was no way he was coming back. Some people had mentioned, oh, would Taylor Hall take a one or two year deal with New Jersey? It would be like, why? It would be a very awkward thing for him to have gotten traded. And then six, seven months later, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months later, he's back with the team that traded him. You know, it's a little weird. It's a little bit different with someone like Scott Wedgwood. No offense, but it's a little bit different. Um, but nonetheless, he would, you know, there was a lot of question marks as to where Taylor Hall was going to go. And for a while, it looked like the way his GM was describing it, that even with the fact that the salary cap was not going to go up at all, and a lot of teams were going to be stuck in cap hell for the next two or three years, Taylor Hall and his agent were still determined to try to get a max, if you want to call it that, a max contract with a competitive team, a Stanley Cup championship team. And unfortunately, there just wasn't a team out there that was willing to give him that money. But then you started to hear over the last couple of weeks that Taylor Hall was more willing to take a two, three-year deal with somebody, you know, especially still a Stanley Cup contender. Because I think at this point in Taylor Hall's career, it's really mostly about winning and winning a Stanley Cup. And I don't blame him. You know, he's at that point in his career He's probably already made more money than he knows what to do with. But, hey, you always want to try to max, maximize your, your skill level to get the most money you could possibly get. So I, I, don't, get, I don't blame him. Um, and there was a lot of talk uh, throughout the offseason and obviously while the Stanley Cup playoffs were still going on about where Taylor Hall might go. And I think someone did ask me. And they said, you know, where do you think he'll go? I said, well, number one is that he's not going to get a big money deal from anybody. He's probably going to get a one, two, or three-year deal from somebody, and it's going to be a very competitive team. And I mentioned the Vegas Golden Knights seemed to make a lot of sense to me. I mentioned the New York Rangers, which I know Devils fans, you're probably wondering why would you think that. It's a, but at a one-year deal, you know, it kind of made sense. And let's be honest, it's hard to say, but let's be honest. The Rangers are, you know, getting closer and closer to being that Stanley Cup contender. I also mentioned the Montreal Canadiens. And considering the moves that the Canadiens have made, you know, getting guys like Tyler Toffoli and Jake Allen, they've certainly taken that next step to being a competitive franchise. Plus, Taylor Hall is from Canada, albeit he's from Calgary. But still, he's from Canada, and, I'm sh and the Canadiens have shown great interest in him before, and it just made a lot of sense to me. I had not heard of any interest that Buffalo actually had, reportedly, throughout this entire process. So when it was announced that he was signing with the Buffalo Sabres, just like everyone else, threw me off guard. Now, let me tell you why this move makes perfect sense to me for not just Taylor Hall, but also for the Buffalo Sabres. First of all, when Taylor Hall was asked by the Buffalo media why he chose the Sabres, he said he signed a one-year deal with them because he wanted to bet on himself. He wanted to prove that he is still an elite player in this league, that he can get back to that 2018 MVP form, and that he deserves to be paid handsomely because of it. He also said that it's a place where he felt comfortable. He had a lot of interest even from the get-go playing with. He wanted to play with an elite player like Jack Eichel, and he just felt like it was home to him. Now, that's a little bit hard to hear considering the fact that a year and change ago, Taylor Hall said that he could not imagine himself in a uniform other than the Devils and that it would feel weird because he felt like New Jersey is home to him. But then again, that's something that sometimes players just say to appease the media, appease the fans, yada, yada, yada. It's something that, that these players do all the time. Um, so I don't really feel offended by it. I don't feel hurt by it. It's not something that really bugs me. So let's just move on from that. But Taylor Hall this past season, both with the Devils and the Coyotes combined, finished with 16 goals, 36 assists for 52 points in 65 total games. So clearly for him, it was another down year. The year before, he had gotten hurt and he had really struggled. And so he had a down year. And this year, you know, he had an okay, you know, bounce back type of year. But I think a lot of people and the perception that these people have gotten of Taylor Hall is two things. One, 
Because a lot of people think that he's a locker room cancer, which I can't agree or disagree with because I don't know the person and I haven't been in those locker rooms. So I can't say. I don't really think it's that way. But, you know, I could be totally wrong. The other thing is that Taylor Hall is not your elite franchise player. And to be honest with you, kind of agree with that. He's not the type of player that's going to make the biggest difference for a team. Albeit he won the MVP and what was one of the big reasons the Devils got back to the playoffs a couple of years ago. But, but if you look at a lot of the other teams out there that would love to get Taylor Hall, they look at Taylor Hall as just that last piece that they need for that championship puzzle. Not the guy that you start with and you build the team around. That's the way I look at it. If that was the case, I'm going to be honest, if that was the case, then, then Edmonton would have never traded him away in the first place. But, you know, we know Peter Shirelli is the type of guy that makes some crazy-ass moves. We know that. We obviously know that, and we saw what happened with that. But that should have told you right away. Another thing is that Taylor Hall got traded again. So immediately, he has been traded twice in the last five years, and you kind of have to wonder to yourself, if he's that good of a player, if he, if he is saying he's that good of a player, if his agent is saying he's that good of a player, why is he keep getting traded? You know, so it's something to keep in mind. It's something that all these teams have had to keep in mind when they evaluate Taylor Hall and what type of player he actually is. Now, here's a couple other reasons why it makes a lot of sense for Taylor Hall to go to Buffalo. Number one is what I said before. The expectations of Buffalo are not going to be that big. You know, obviously, maybe the expectations are considering trying to appease Jack Eichel is trying to get back to the playoffs. I, you know, Jack Eichel hasn't made it there so far in his career, and he expressed his frustration this past offseason saying, you know, he's tired of losing. And hopefully by adding Taylor Hall, it adds a lot of offense and helps them win a couple more games to get into the postseason. I think they do have a team that is, that is capable of doing so. So, let you know, I think that that's one of the reasons that, you know, Taylor Hall came here because the expectations are not wild. The other thing is this. Taylor Hall is probably hoping that he can juke up his stats and they can look really good while playing with Jack Eichel, that he can elevate his own game and help elevate Jack Eichel's game, and they can both be a dynamic duo for Buffalo offensively. Another reason, and this is very, very obvious, is that Taylor Hall signed a one-year deal. He's going to be a free agent again in 2021. If things are not going well in Buffalo and the team is struggling and they're not in a playoff position, the Sabres can use Taylor Hall like the Devils did to acquire a good amount of assets for him, send him to a competitive team, maybe even a team in position to go to the Stanley Cup finals, and he can go and try to win a cup then. And let's say he wins a cup, then he can bank on that and try to get more money next year when the cap goes up a little bit more. So really for Buffalo, and, and another thing that we have to take in mind as well is this, let's say that Buffalo does really well, right? Make the playoffs, Taylor Hall plays really well. The Sabres and Taylor Hall could agree on a long-term deal and everybody's happy. And Jack Eichel has got, you know, a great player with him for the majority of the rest of his time in Buffalo. So for me, this is a win-win for both sides. Taylor Hall gets a good amount of money. He's playing on a one-year deal. Not, you know, so many heavy expectations. He can play with an elite player like Jack Eichel. And there are many different ways that it could benefit both sides, whether it's the team trades him away and they get assets or the team does really well and they sign a long-term extension, I think both sides are going to be happy no matter what. So for me, this is a very, very good deal. I like that Taylor Hall took the one-year deal. It's a prove-it year. Let's see what happens. But good for him. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him rocking that royal blue and yellow that the Sabres are bringing back. I'm excited to see those uniforms and that whole you know setup that they have when it officially comes out. But uh, good luck to Taylor Hall, obviously. He's not in the same division as the Devils again, but – you know, he'll, ha he'll definitely have his chance to come back to New Jersey, probably with no fans. But nonetheless, uh, looking forward to it. And I wish him nothing but the best in however long he's there in upstate New York. So the next move is a player that I think a lot of us here on the Devil's State of Mind, as well as just Devil's fans in general, had talked about as a possibility of somebody that the Devils could go after in free agency. And it was announced this past week that Evgeny Dadunov has signed a three-year deal with the Ottawa Senators. Now, I really, really like this move for Ottawa. They're a young team like New Jersey, and they're looking to not only, you know, build for the future, but to still be relatively competitive in the now. And Evgeny Dadunov certainly brings that with his offensive ability. 
signed a three-year deal with these with the Senators with an average annual value of five million dollars. He is a three-time 25-goal scorer while he was playing with the Florida Panthers. This past year, he finished with 47 points, which is 25 goals and 22 assists in 69 games. He adds pure goal scoring and is a veteran presence to a young team that can compete for the now and in the future. So that's pretty much why I like this move. You look at the moves that Ottawa has made. You know, they got Matt Murray. They're bringing up Kenny Dadnoff. They drafted Tim Stutzel. They, you know, they, they brought in a lot of really good players, a lot of young players, and also just some veterans that have, you know, at least one championship experience. So clearly, Dorian is doing a very solid job of getting a good mix of young players and veterans to create a really good culture and to create, you know, chemistry that's going to benefit them in the now and in the future. And the fact that they're bringing back the old classic you know, uniforms from the early 2000s is an exciting thing as well. And trust me, if you haven't seen them yet, please go do so. They are very, very nice. But the Senators, I think, have had one of the more productive off-seasons of any team in the NHL. And I think getting a guy like Dadnoff and getting him for more than one year, you're getting him for three years, you're getting a guy that's not costing you very much. And, you know, obviously you were able to finally move on from Bobby Ryan's contract, albeit you had to buy him out, but nonetheless – you still moved on from them, but you're, you know, you're still, you know, spending money to help your team win now. And I think that's really good because here's the thing. When you're a rebuilding team, obviously, you know that there's a good chance you're going to lose more often than you win. But at the same time, while you're rebuilding, you want to win games so that your young players, your future, your core guys are learning how to win. They know what it's like to win. They know what it's like to be a competitive team. So that as they get older and more mature, they understand what's going on and they know how to take their game and the team's game to another level. So that's the thing that I look at with a move like this. If getting Dadnoff, you know, albeit hasn't had that much winning experience in his career, but he's a he's an older player who is still scoring very well, a guy that could be on your top line if you really want to put him there. I, I think there is a good chance for that. And he's bringing in veteran presence where he can help settle some of the younger guys and I think it's going to work out really well. The Senators have a lot of European players. And again, Evgeny Dadnov is a Russian player, you know, obviously European. And I think that that is a benefit, beneficial thing as well. So I think Dorian has done a really good job of, like I mentioned before, bringing in a solid mix of young players and veterans. And I think that the Senators are going to be, you know, they're not going to be a great team, but they're going to be a very competitive team that's going to be hard to play against, even if you do find a way to win, you know, against them it's still going to be a tough game nonetheless but and this is a really good move so I give a lot of credit to Dorian I give a lot of credit to the Senators for making a move and you know they had a good amount of, they had the second most if not the most cap space left of any team right now and it was easy for them to get a move like that I did hear that they were somewhat interested in bringing back Mike Hoffman but I think that ship has sailed especially after what happened a few years ago but they bring in his teammate Evgeny Dadnoff on a three-year deal worth five million dollars average annual value a guy that could put up 25 maybe even 30 goals for the senators so that's a very solid move and i'm interested to see how it pans out for not just this year but the next you know couple of years while he's in ottawa so the last signing we're going to discuss here is pretty much the one that everybody was anticipating one that everybody was curious to know about and you ask you know tom from the blues notes podcast you know it was something that he was kind of dreading and kind of hoping that maybe it would work out but unfortunately for him and the St. Louis Blues it did not work out. Defenseman Alex Petrangelo this past Monday the 12th of October announced that he was signing with the Vegas Golden Knights to be honest with you once he hit free agency I knew that that's where he was going to end up being. You knew that Vegas was looking to try to get that elite defenseman that was maybe hoping to be the last piece to a championship puzzle for a Vegas team that through its first three years of being in the NHL has made the Stanley Cup Finals, blew three games to one lead against the San Jose Sharks and lost the whole series in game seven. And then this year we're knocked out in the conference finals to the Dallas Stars. So this is a team that has been very, very close to winning a Stanley Cup championship, but hasn't been able to take that final step. And they're hoping by adding a veteran Stanley Cup captain presence in Alex Petrangelo, a guy who is still considered to be one of the elite defensemen in the NHL, they're hoping that this will be the final piece to that championship 
puzzle. He signed a seven-year, $8.8 million deal. So the average annual value is $8.8 million. Wow. That's a lot of money in a year where sal you know, the salary cap is not great. It's not moving at all. And you knew that once the Golden Knights made this move, they had to make three or four moves in order to get enough salary cap to do this. And they obviously made one move the day after they announced that they had signed Petrangelo. They had traded defenseman Nate Schmidt, who was one of the original Vegas Golden Knights when he was picked up in the expansion draft. They traded him to the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a 2022 third round pick. And honestly, there are still more moves to go. I was talking with a couple other Devils fans and we were talking about it. And I said, look, some guys like, you know, Jonathan Marcheseau and Max Pacioretty and even Marc-Andre Fleury to a lesser extent are probably going to have to be moved. Now, I know the Golden Knights said that Fleury is going to remain on the team, but the question is, does Fleury want to stay in Vegas? So, you know, especially after Robin Leonard got a five-year extension, uh, you know, earlier this offseason. But you know, you look at guys like Marcia So and Pacioretty and, you know, guys like that who have a considerable amount of money being given to them, they may have to move. There may be a, a position where they have no choice but to move those guys. So Vegas is putting themselves in a huge amount of cap hell for the next couple of years, especially if they don't win a cup because a lot of their main core guys are going to get older. Mark Stone, you know, Marcia So, Pacioretty, you know, Alex Tuck. All those guys, they're eventually going to get old and their skills are going to start to decline. And you'd like to hope if you're Vegas that you've won a cup or even two before that happens so that the, the fall from grace is not that bad. But nonetheless, you know, this is a move that is really, you know, a win now move. You knew that if Petrangelo was going to go somewhere other than staying in St. Louis, it had to be a team that was on the verge of winning a Stanley Cup and being a Stanley Cup contender. And, and he decided to go to the Sin City and, and play with the Vegas Golden Knights. And, uh, you know, I know for Blues fans, this is a very, very tough thing to deal with. Uh, you know, the Petrangelo and the Blues were working very hard on trying to get a deal done. And the talks fell through. And basically they just said, you know, you can go check out free agency. And maybe they were hoping that nobody would give him a huge deal and maybe he'd consider taking a smaller deal to stay in St. Louis. But nonetheless, that did not happen. Vegas gave him the money that he wanted. He also gets to play for a team that is a Stanley Cup contender. And uh, that's, that's pretty much, you know, what's going on here. But let's be honest, you know, Petrangelo's in the prime of his career. You know, now he's 30. So he doesn't have that many years left of being a really good defenseman. But right now he's in the prime of his career. This deal will take him till he's almost in his 40s. Uh, I, the chances of him playing throughout, playing those, those years, you know, playing throughout the entire contract is, is probably very unlikely. But nonetheless, he's an elite defenseman, one of the top five defensemen in the National Hockey League right now. This past year with the Blues, he finished with 16 goals, 36 assists, and 52 points. He helped get the Blues back to the Stanley Cup playoffs, so to speak, but they were knocked out by the Vancouver Canucks in a very surprising way in the first round. So, you know, the expectations for those defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues was that they were hoping to, you know, get back and win another Stanley Cup, and they looked really good doing it until we got to the coronavirus pandemic, shortening the season, and then forcing us to wait until August to finish the year in a bubble. And that just kind of I think, threw everything off. And, you know, with the fact that, like you said, the salary cap wasn't going to move up at all, that the Blues were pretty much screwed. I, that the Blues were counting on the salary cap going up to the $91, $92 million threshold so that they could have the money to keep Alex Petrangelo. And I think if that had happened, no doubt in my mind, Petrangelo would have signed a long-term deal with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Petrangelo had been the captain of the St. Louis Blues since 2016, uh, he was drafted fourth overall back in 2008. So he's a guy who's been a St. Louis Blues entire career. And obviously, most notably, he helped the Blues win the Stanley Cup back in 2019. So it's, gonna, it's one of those tough things where one of, your, one of your star players, one of your guys that everybody looks at to represent the St. Louis Blues is unfortunately no longer with the St. Louis Blues. And he goes over to probably one of the more disliked teams right now in the NHL, considering how much success they've had in just a short amount of time in the NHL uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights. But for Vegas, this is a, a no-brainer type of move. It is concerning the fact that you gave them a max deal. You know that you're going to have to move some other guys. And the question is, will the chemistry be there? We're, we're hearing reports that guys are, 
are not so thrilled about some of the moves that have been made. You know, Nate Schmidt said he didn't even find out he had been traded until Alex Petrangelo's signing was announced. And immediately after, he was like, oh, okay, I'm out. And that was pretty much it. A lot of players didn't like the fact that it went down that way. And the question is, are they going to, you know, are they going to just eventually let that go and just focus on winning or, you know, what? It's going to be really interesting to see what happens moving forward. Um, you know, and, but it's a sad thing because when you're a fan of a team and you see a, you, your big name guy leave, it's always a sad time because then you think about all the good times. You know, I had the experience when Martin Bardere, you know, left to go to St. Louis. I also had that a little bit to a lesser extent when Taylor Hall was traded to Arizona Coyotes last year. You, you don't like seeing that, but it's unfortunately the business of sports. It's, it's just how things go. But this is a move that, look, if, it, if they win a Stanley Cup or two, it paid off. If they don't win in the next two or three years, they're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. And they're not going to be as good as people are hoping they're going to be in the next couple of years. Because like I said, those main core guys are going to be in their mid, their early to mid-30s. And their skills are going to start to decline. And they're just not going to have as much success. So this is really that win-now mentality. And let's see. Let's see if the Vegas Golden Knights can bank on that. So obviously Vegas being one of the gambling you know, capital of the United States, they're taking a massive gamble and a massive risk by bringing in an elite player like Alex Petrangelo on that big of a contract. We'll see what happens. I'm very intrigued to see if Vegas can finally get over the hump and win that Stanley Cup championship. So the last thing that I'm going to do here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast is I'm going to be answering some fan questions uh, from Twitter and just from social media in general. I put out a, a, a tweet saying, hey, if you guys have any questions or anything you want me to answer involving the Devils or hockey in general, you know, let me know and I'll answer them on the podcast. And I have two, I have two questions to two people that want to know my opinion on something. And the first one is from Kevin Inspire which on Twitter, he's at Kevin Positives. And he asked me, Neil, are we on the right track in terms of where we are heading? I know that we're not a cup contender. We are building and developing. But with Fitzgerald at it, we will get to where we'll be in a few years. Love the podcast, Neil. So first of all, Kevin, thank you so much for all of your, you know, your positivity, obviously, and your support for me. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Continue to be the inspiring, positive person that you are. You know, you know, you're the man. You rock. Uh, to answer your question, yeah, I think we are on the right, right path. I think that I've mentioned this numerous times. Tom Fitzgerald has been brutally honest about where this team is. He knows that we're a couple of years away from really being a true cup contender, and that we still have a lot of moves left to make before we get to the core, you know, of the players that are going to be here once we get to that competitive Stanley Cup level. So. I think we are on the right track. You look at how he did in the draft. A lot of people are giving him an A, B-plus type of grade. He's done a very good job so far. The signings and traits that he's made in this offseason clearly are helping this team to help build a culture for the now and build a culture for, for long-term success. So clearly Fitzgerald is getting his opportunity to really be a GM. He's had a ton of experience working under Ray Shiro, working under different organizations. Now he's finally getting his shot. And he's done well so far, but obviously Lindy Ruff still has to, you know, prove that, you know, Fitzgerald made the right decision to bring him in and, you know, we'll see where it goes. But I think the bottom line is to answer that question completely. Yes, we're on the right track. It's going to be probably another difficult year. We're probably going to lose a bunch of games and maybe at times not look great. And guys are going to get frustrated on social media and blah, 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 like we always do. But I think we always have to keep in the back of our mind that Fitzgerald has done everything with the idea of making this team better for now and also for the future. And that's something to keep in mind. We are going to get better as a team. And I have a lot of confidence and a lot of optimism that Fitzgerald is doing everything he possibly can to put the team in the best position to succeed. And I think that's the thing you have to look at. So I'm really excited about the moves the Devils have already made, the draft selections, some of the prospects that we have in our system. We're really, really, you know, I, I hate saying this expression because we devils have used it before, but we're really on the rise, so to speak, you know, in the Tom Fitzgerald era. We have a lot of positives, very, very few negatives. It might be difficult to watch the team, you know, in the now, but I promise you in the next year or two, and I know it's tough to be patient after we've been patient for several years, I promise you things are going to get really, really good in New Jersey with this devils team in the future. So let, let's just, let's get Fitzgerald, and let's give Lindy Ruff and these guys an opportunity to, to prove themselves. 
Fitzgerald's off to a really, really good start. He's got a lot more work to do. But to answer the question fully, yes, I think we are definitely on the right track and things are only going to go up from here. So the other, the other question comes from another good friend of mine. I've been on his podcast several times and, you know, we, we, we talk about this team back and forth on social media. It is Jersey Joe at Jersey Devil OG. He says, with most of the forward and defense roles set, who are some players in camp you see making a complete push for lines two and four and filling out the defensive pairings? You know, that's a really good question. That's a really good question, Joe. And thank you very much for, for, uh, for sending it to me. I appreciate it. Um, here's the thing. Let, let's talk about the defense real quick. Ty Smith, Kevin Ball, and Riley Walsh are the three guys that I think are going to get a really good opportunity to compete in training camp and probably make the roster. I don't know exactly how many spots the doubles have right now. We did obviously trade and acquire Ryan Murray a couple weeks ago, so he's going to be probably on the top four. I think there's probably going to be – you know, one or there's probably going to be two spots. And I think Kevin Ball, Ty Smith, certainly Ty Smith is going to be, you know, getting one of those spots. But if we carry seven defensemen, then I think Riley Smith would be the guy that would, would end up getting there. I don't expect someone like Muhammad to all of a sudden make the team. It could very happen if he gets invited to training camp. I don't really know what the situation with that is. But nonetheless, I think from the defensive standpoint, it's going to be probably – a combination of guys like Ty Smith, Ball, and, you know, Riley Walsh. So that would be from the defensive standpoint. As far as a complete push for lines two and four, this is what I would say. I don't personally believe, other than maybe Jesper Boquist, uh, maybe Alexander Holtz, if they want to give him an opportunity right away whenever the season starts. Uh, I fully expect that the Devils are not done making moves when it comes to trades. I think that they are seriously going to look to try to make another trade for another top six winger possibly. And maybe Andreas Janssen drops down to the third line and kind of makes us a little bit more of a scoring team from the top three lines. You know, so I think that that's something to keep in mind. I don't think Fitzgerald's done. I think he's patiently just waiting to see what happens and continuing to, to, uh, to focus on that. Uh, as far as just players in our system, you know, there, there's, there's definitely, you know, possibility. Sharon Govic, I think, has a chance to maybe make a, make a run at it. You know, we have a couple other guys that maybe could, you know, surprise some people. Does a Dawson Mercer somehow make, you know, the team? Who knows? But I think mostly it's going to be some guys that we've seen before, like a Jesper Boquist, like I mentioned before. But I do think that, that Tom Fitzgerald has some more moves up his sleeve, whether it's free agency or trades. And we're just going to have to wait it out. Remember, we are recording this in October. There is a good chance that we're not actually going to have Devils hockey until January 1st of, of 2021. So training camp might be in late November, early December. So we still have a considerable amount of time for the team to make some moves and for things to happen before we actually get to see these guys, you know, perform on the ice. So I think that's something to keep in mind. But, you know, I think, honestly, with the, with the forward line, it's anybody's guess, really, especially on the bottom six. It's really anybody's guess. We have a good amount of spots there, and we'll and it will definitely be keeping our eye on that. But you know that that would be to answer that question. You know, lonely that would be my answer to that question. So let's just keep our eye on what Tom Fitzgerald and this team does going forward. So thank you guys so much. Uh, you know, you you know Joe and Kevin for for sending those questions. In. And if you guys have any questions that you want me to answer, make sure to follow me and also tweet at me at Devil State on Twitter and also at Devil State on Instagram. What's going on, guys? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this week's edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. If you want to continue to listen to these episodes, here's what you do. You go on your computer and you type in Hockey Podcast Network, and you can check out the website, hockeypodcastnetwork.org, where you can see all the logos for all the podcasts that we do. You'll see the Devil's logo, and you can click on that. You can also just check out all the other hockey podcasts that we have on this great network where we cover every single team in the NHL and we have a bunch of other hockey podcasts along with those. So make sure you go check all of those out. We post new episodes every single Monday and we also post them wherever you listen to podcasts. So whether that's Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Hockey Podcast Network or Devil State of Mind and you will find it. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Devil State, on Instagram at Devil State of Mind, 
and also on Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. On all of those, I will post when the new episodes are up, as well as just interactions with you guys, the fans, as we talk about our team, the New Jersey Devils. And also in the bio of all of those social medias, we have a link to the Devil's State of Mind website, where there, you can just check out all the episodes and go directly to where we have them. You can bookmark it so you can just keep it and make it very easy for you. So please go check those out as well. Again, new episodes of the podcast every single Monday. If you want to listen to me just talk about more things that are going on in sports, not just in hockey, you can follow me on the Mofobo Network podcast, which is available on Anchor and Spotify, where every week we post new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays talking about the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. I also have a YouTube channel called Mofobo Network Presents. New videos come out every single Wednesday where just like on the podcast, we get a topic that we discuss that's going on right now in the wide world of sports. So go check me out on all those. Again, it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Podcast on Anchor and Spotify and M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents on YouTube, where there you can just continue to listen to me talk about things that are going on in this great world that is the world of sports. You can follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. And last but certainly not least, go check out my book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now called J-E-T-S Pain, 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 which is about the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, just go check that book out. It, it chronicles all the painful memories, painful games, painful player decisions, and everything else that evolves around the New York football Jets. So please go check it out. It's available for hardcover and ebook for the price of $19.69. And if you're a Jets fan or a football fan, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So thank you guys once again for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the awesome, amazing people that you are out there. Make sure that you're always helping out others. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!